It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's the end of an era for a longtime Viking. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and I'm sad about it. I'm Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. I don't have much. To, I'm also very sad about it. What a party. <laughs> hey, let's have some fun. It's the Minnesota <laughs> football funeral. Locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. It's the Minnesota football party on a snowy Monday in the Twin Cities. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined today by Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network at Arif Hassan NFL. You can tweet at him there or Luke Braun, the Lockdown Vikings host at Luke Braun NFL. And we are jumping right into Eric Kendrick's reaction released this morning after I tell you that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel.com, FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Partners with Locked On. Get started today at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. It broke about 8.15. Eric Kendricks, the first cap casualty for the Minnesota Vikings. Eight years of Viking. Uh, had an $11 million cap hit. Vikings save over $9 million by making this move. The first of potentially a few moves. And we knew this was a possibility. In fact, we've forecasted this as a likely outcome for Eric Hendricks based on that contract. Uh, Luke Braun, give you the first word this morning, your reaction. Yeah, his was like the hardest one for me to predict because as I went through all the different cap scenarios and all the different ways the Vikings could get under and make room for free agency, it always felt like, hmm, leaving him makes sense, but also cutting him makes sense. And I guess trading him makes sense if you find a partner, but also extending or restructuring or doing something with the contract makes sense. Like everything, there was a way where it would work. So it was really hard for me to tell like what the move would be. Um, But that means cutting him is a sensical option. And I think for me, when I did the research for all of the like cap episodes that I did for Locked On Vikings, I always felt like the only way I, I had to cut Kendricks, like the only scenarios where it felt like that was a a move that made sense was a scenario where I was also not extending Kirk Cousins and not touching his contract. Um, Because if I was doing something with Eric Kendrick or with Cousins's contract, I was probably saving like 15, 20 mil off the cap. Yeah. And if I, and I only felt like cutting Eric Kendricks was necessary if I wasn't getting that 2023 cap impact. So it's a really loose, tea leaf read but there's something for your speculation update your betting odds accordingly reef i disagree in part because luke braun must necessarily be wrong 
Uh, but also, it is not lost on me that this occurred after the combine. The reason for that could be anything. It could be because they saw some mid-round linebackers that they really like. It could be because, more likely, they had conversations with agents uh, that may have opened up some possibilities as soon as we hit free agency. And it may be the case that they could still restructure Kirk Cousins, but they want to make room for somebody else, not Eric Kendricks, which I would hate. I love Eric Kendricks. I thought the primary issue last year, yeah, he lost his fastball. The primary issue to me last year was coaching. Sounds like they found a way to fix that. So um, it is it is a, a little bit upsetting. Maybe they even bring him back at a different number and cutting him was the best option in order to do that. I kind of doubt it. We'd probably get reporting on that if that was yeah. the case. But it is, you know, you know. But, uh, you know, it, it is it is possible that they had discussions with Eric Hendricks about restructuring his contract or Eric Hendricks's agent about restructuring his contract at the combine. I think all of those things um, flow from the fact that this occurred after the combine and not right before. And I think that that means that they're more aware of the possibilities that they have to replace Kendricks. Um, so that to me is not necessarily a strong signal of anything like that, but it, it should encourage us to open up the possibility that. It is not because uh, they were forced into it, but because they had a wider range of options available to them than they did. Right. And so we can have a discussion about free agent linebacker, Sam. I'm sure you want to entertain that. But I think that that uh, plays a role here. Um, so they could still extend uh, Kirk Cousins. I honestly still expect them to. Do I think it's a good idea? Not really. But last year, I didn't think it was a good idea. And they went 13 and four or whatever. Right. So who knows? But um and I, I think that uh, it, it is important to to kind of keep that context in mind when we're breaking down kind of what happened here. Let me be the blasphemer here and and just raise the possibility that Eric that bad? is in decline. I think, I think that was evident in when was his 30th tomato, birthday, like tomato, two months ago. Tomato. You might as well be Santa Claus now. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> gray beard. Um, put him in a <laughs> yeah. nursing home. It. I think that the writing was on the wall in 2021. Oh, he turned you know, 31 I, last week. I think in the Zimmer scheme, 31, final year, bad. I think he began no. to show signs of decline in his inability to catch running backs, like wrap guys up. Um, pass defense was in mild decline that year, and then in major decline last year. That could be scheme. That's probably a big part of it. I, I don't even think it's scheme oh, to me. I think it's coaching. I think it's technical. I think it's how, what it's they reading. were asking him to read. Yeah. Because yeah, I've never seen him The best way to be a step late trigger. is to leave a step late. Yeah. I've never seen him slow off the trigger until last year. Even his rookie year, he was he was quick to react off the snap. Uh, yeah. I think they were – and all speculation, the Vikings know more than either of us do, right? They brought in mm -hmm. a new coaching staff, right? And that new coaching staff, 100% had input on this decision, right? So I could be wrong, yeah. but it is it is tough for me. And maybe I'm just holding on. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's classic Arif sentimentality. But uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, it, it is all of that. But to me, the issue was not that he had lost it. Yeah, he lost a step. But a lot of really great linebackers have lost. I mean, Bobby Wagner's out here playing like one of the top five linebackers in the NFL. He's lost a step. To me, the issue was coaching. But... Hey, did the evidence suggests it's not the evidence suggests that you're right, Sam. I just can't swallow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, it, I think it's a smart move too. And it fits my suggestion of 
tearing down the back end and middle of the defense and keeping the trenches strong. I think that that's a, a legitimate way to approach this offseason as they try to remake the defense. I think this was an easy $9 million cut. I do question now what happens with Hicks because Asamoah is the clear succession plan for one guy. Okay, now are you going to go Asamoah and a rookie? You go Asamoah and maybe a low-priced veteran. We'll talk about that as maybe we free uh, – and you can throw it in now if you have a name – that you'd like to uh, nominate for the Nick Vigil role, if you will, the honorary Vigil Nick role. Vigil cheap linebacker oh signing. But I think linebacker is a place where you're not going to overinvest if you're like a, a forward-thinking organization, like especially inside linebacker. Um, so for what Kendrick's meant to the organization is great, and I think that this was also the correct move by this regime. Um I am curious though about the Jordan Hicks thing. Like, is that is that now someone who takes a pay cut to stay um, and remains part of the mix with Asamoa, or do they just do a complete reset? Your thoughts on that, Bron? So where I'm at, if you cut Kendricks, I always kind of thought you would kind of cut Hicks, whether or not you cut Hendricks or cut Kendrick Hendricks. Um, and it's because if you have Asamoa and starter to be named. I think you can get starter to be named at a price that still makes that, that doesn't uh, overcome the savings from cutting those two guys. So your linebacker room can get cheaper while still ostensibly not losing quality, assuming you don't get a bad free agent, which I would assume is not the goal. <laughs> I, I mean, it might be the goal, right? It might be. Okay. So Kendrick's, you not can offering... go get a high, you can go get a starter is what it like. You don't have to. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can what, what, go get. I just saw Devin White might be cut. There's some weird stuff. Oh, the the linebacker like, class is yeah. stacked in free agency. It's remarkable in free agency. I will say that. But I, I, my point, Luke, was more that yeah, okay, Kendricks was not great value for money in terms of what he was providing. Hicks certainly not great value for money, even though his cap it is relatively minuscule. I think this year it's six and a half, so it's not like nothing. But uh, it could be. Yeah, this is an inefficient play in terms of money for value from what we're getting from the position but the position is bad money right and so it could just be we're just going to go cheap and if he's bad we'll live with that it could be that right it might not Maybe. be yeah yeah it might not be we'll get a small downgrade or even a small upgrade at the starting position for a lot less money it could just be for a lot lot less money we're just going to not care about the position you know ram style right so um sure. So I, but it's that, not that inefficient because those two guys don't care that much dead cat. Like, I think you can find a way to still get acceptable play at the position. No, what I'm saying is paying them is less. efficient. Cutting them is efficient. And oh, bringing, yes, I did this. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it could just be that the most efficient move might be to get a bad starter because that money is going to be more valuable elsewhere. That That is the pushback that I'm providing. It could just be that they're getting a better starter for a lot less money. That's great. That's always the best of all worlds. Anyway, I, I think that part of it is motivated by how excellent this free agency class of linebacker is. In the, in the right. middle of, I think people have overstated the case that the draft class at linebacker is bad. The top is very bad um, in, in that you don't have a top. But um, right. the middle is pretty good. Right. Um, Owen Papo, that's Luke Inman's guy and is now my guy. Um, I've great also got guys. my Nick Vigil. This is my budget Nick Vigil. Corey Littleton. Um, one of the best linebackers in football, kind of around the same time Kendricks was. 
2018-2019, look at his time with the Rams. Unbelievable. Coverage, tackling, one of the best in the league. He goes to Vegas, signs a big contract in Vegas. Awful. Horrible in Vegas for two years. Cut early. Goes to Carolina on a budget deal. 2.6 last year and played well again. So the hope would be that Vegas was just a miserable scheme fit. His time in Carolina proves that. And that he's probably more like the guy in L.A. than he was like the guy in Las Vegas. And he played at $2.6 million last year. If probably not going to sign for much more than that. If it would, if they, if the Vikings had maintained Fangio continuity, I'd be a little bit more excited because I feel like that is kind of what enables him. Now, mind you, that wasn't a Fangio system; that was the Wilkes system in Carolina. So I could be wrong here, but I think that he is helped by a lot of the stuff around him. Uh, is one reason that he did well. And then in Carolina, they have a bunch of really great people up the middle in terms of like Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin, and then that Derek Brown up front. Um, they've got, you know, people up the middle to make him look good to me. If you're going to go with the budget guy, I'd want to go with, uh, let's go back to the Bengals. Let's go to Jermaine Pratt. I thought he had one of the, he was the best coverage linebacker in football last year. Is he a free agent? And is he, is he like affordable at that? Um, He's the reason I made the argument that like you could get a good linebacker and still be efficient. And that Uh, good linebacker is Jermaine Pratt. Right. So the the class at linebacker free agency, and remember, these people have to actually hit free agency. They can sign deals to their former teams, um, is so strong that these guys in kind of the third or fourth tier, and I don't know even if you should be there, um, are not getting high projections. And again, all of our projections come from third parties. They could be wrong. But right now, PFF and Brad Spielberg are projecting to get $8.25 million a year. The reason for that is because the class also includes Levante David. He might retire. Tremaine Edmonds, David Long, TJ Edwards. Really great year for TJ Edwards. Leighton Vanderush. Who knows? Somebody might want to get that upside. Bobby Okereke, right? Drew Tranquil. Like this is Alex Singleton. This is a phenomenal class. Uh, and so it could help push down people like Jermaine Pratt. We also know that he's probably not going to be re-signed because um, after the uh, AFC Conference Championship game, when he was uh, yelling at, I, I'm blanking on the on the young person who hurt himself tackling Patrick Mahomes. Um, he was yelling yeah. at him, right? Uh, yeah, 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 he was yelling at him, and and uh, and and he said this is my last chance here or something like that. It sounded like he he did not think he was coming back. So uh, I'm pretty confident he's hitting free agency. He had a remarkable year. Mind you, it's it's one year. The years before that, he was not playing all that well, which could be why he's below someone like a TJ Edwards, who, again, he also had a bit of an outlier year, but he had at least played well in the two years prior. Right, Leighton Vanderesh has had another year of really high-level play in his history, even if it wasn't last year. So um, it that might be why someone like Pratt, um, who played outstanding football last year, might actually be available under $10 million. Interesting. Um, I've got some blind linebacker resumes to show you as we Ooh. evaluate Eric Hendricks' legacy in Minnesota. Also, I want these guys' combine takes, and we can uh, continue talking about free agency moves for the Vikings and play a little bit of who caves a game that's sweeping the nation where I ask these guys who caves and takes a pay cut. Wasn't Eric Hendricks. That's all coming up on the Minnesota football party. But first I'll tell you about FanDuel, NHL 
NBA, NCAA basketball. It's all coming down the stretch. Sign up today. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Very easy to use. Very easy to figure out the same game parlays and stack up your bets within the same game. Chance at big payouts. You can do points scored, three-pointers made, points, rebounds, assists, all sorts of combinations for those same game parlays. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Claim your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. All right, guys. Eric Kendricks done in Minnesota after eight seasons. I'm going to show you three linebacker resumes for the Vikings. Tell me who Free gets agents? in the ring of honor. What? Oh, oh no. Oh, never mind. Tell me who gets in the ring of honor first. A, B, or C. Now, for those listening, I'm going to read off these stats. So, blind resume A, 156 games, 1,103 tackles, 18 sacks, 8 forced fumbles, 11 picks. Uh, resume number two, 125 games, 761 tackles, 15 and a half sacks, 13 pick, or 13 forced fumbles, 5 picks. And then resume three. 117 games, 919 tackles, 15 sacks, four forced fumbles, nine picks. Um, do you guys want to guess who these belong to? First, for, before we do that, I just want to say, uh, for people who can't watch, it, it's a very pleasant um, image blocking out the faces of the linebackers here. It's like the Windows, the Windows XP, XP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, generic, it's very serene. Template. Mm-hmm. And tranquil. Yeah. Uh, a I'm single gonna... cumulus cloud hovering over <laughs> the rolling hills. I, uh, I I am not super great with historical stats, so I am going to be hilariously wrong here. But I'm guessing A is Chad Greenway. C is Eric Kendricks. That int number seems wrong, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and B is, I don't know, Anthony Barr? No, he has more sacks than that, maybe. I don't know. Those are my guesses. I think A is somebody older. Oh, man. We're going to get a weird linebacker thing. Is one of these guys, Matt, is A Matt Blair? Matt Blair? Yeah, okay. I think Matt Blair is in the ring of honor, isn't he? Like, if this is kind of based around who, who gets honored. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, I thought Matt Blair was already in. Matt Blair is not on, on this list. No. Okay. Okay, well, maybe somebody like Purple People Eaters old, but 150 because 156 games that would have That's, to be be like 10 Roy Winston, ago. yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm locking in my awful guesses, so there you go. Okay. I'm gonna guess You're... A is I'll, I'll throw out Roy Winston, but it might be one of the other guys, the uh, Lonnie Warwick or Hilgenberg. Is one of them Jack Del Rio? <laughs> <laughs> Jack Del Real played for like four seasons. Yeah, but that would be funny. Um, that would be hilarious. I think I I I agree with the reef. I think C is Kendricks. And I also think he has that's the best efficiency, right? Doing the yeah, that's, division that's in tackles head. per game, sacks per game. Look at that. And B is a harder one. Oh, you know what? No. A is Scott Studwell. That's got to oh. be what it is. Stud Scottwell. Yeah. 
And then I'll good. say, I'll say B is one of the older guys. And I'll say that that's uh, Wally Hilgenberg. Is he not honored as well? Man, that Ring of Honor might be small. L- Luke, I, has... I, I don't know who's in the Ring of Honor. Sure. Luke has named a lot of guys that would have never crossed my mind. Arif, um, <laughs> you got two of them right. <laughs> now, oh, oh, oh no, I went to hipster. Oh, you guys. <laughs> So this is kind of the there's a linebacker that no one talks enough about who was a late like a legacy Viking played his entire career for basically a decade in Minnesota. Big reveal. A. EJ Henderson. Henderson. Okay, EJ Henderson did cross my mind, but I didn't think he had played enough games. Okay, more games than Kendricks. Yeah. Wow. That is genuinely surprising to me. For for the sake of my bona fides, EJ Hen- Henderson does get a feature in the history doc. When it's Good. I loved EJ Henderson. EJ Henderson and, uh, may have helped make Eric Sugarman's career, by the way. Yeah. With the, the return from the broken leg? Yeah. It's the Henderson protocol. Yeah. I mean, it's famous. Yeah. So it's his fault. <laughs> I d- it did swell up a year after that. I will say that. Yeah, great. and I'm not. Sh- I'm. I think the career might have been cut a little short because of that. Not. Well, not saying that's guaranteed, but he definitely, uh, you know, ended that thing pretty early after yeah. coming back. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I see. I'm not convinced that Kendrick's resume is supremely better than Henderson. Um, I think Greenway of these three linebackers who are not in the Ring of Honor, I think Greenway probably gets honored first. But should he? Is that the correct move? Yeah, I think it's the correct. I'm the Greenway hater. I think it's the correct move. Okay. <laughs> um, so all, so one, one thing that's really important to note here is that all three of these guys were remarkable locker room leaders. One thing I was going to say before I saw these guys is that, like, maybe we should also include years as captain. But that's not a tiebreaker here. These were all really phenomenal leaders. I guess if I were to rank them, I'd say probably... Greenway, Henderson, and Kendricks, but that seems like a disservice to Kendricks, who did, I think, a lot in the locker room. Um, but no, I mean, Greenway was a really phenomenal linebacker for a while. The, my issue is primarily about, you know, the Vikings sticking with him for a little bit too long as it became clear he didn't have the horses. What's great about this is that, like, this misses out his rookie year, right, because he missed the entire year due to injury. But his mm-hmm. impact in Minnesota um, as a, as a high level coverage linebacker, along with being a very, very good run defender. I think he's known more for the first than the second, but he's very high level coverage linebacker. Um, I think really carried that Vikings defense through some pretty tough times. Um, and I thought like bringing along players, uh, like Lieber, for example, um, it was, was huge. So to me, Greenway goes in first. He's obviously had a longer time with the organization, um, his highs were very high. I don't, think, I don't think he was as good at his peak as Kendricks was at his peak, but I think that his time in the organization definitely deserves some consideration. Kendricks, probably a shorter, more intense, like very, like highest of ends peak. Um, yes. EJ Henderson probably never had a peak like either of them, but I thought was just super his, steady. His year back from injury was astounding. Um, so I will say that, but you're right. Yeah, it's it's tough. Braun, you're the historian. Yeah, what's going who on? Do you here, want to see who do you, who do you want to see in the Ring of Honor first? I, I think Chad Greenway is easy, um, and I think Eric Hendricks will be as well. EJ Henderson's the hardest one just because 
that peak was so much shorter. And because I feel like when we think of EJ Henderson, I think more about a what could have been than I think about like a legacy. Played more games than Hendricks. Yeah, that's that is true. Absolutely. Um, I mean, look, Henderson is remained with you. Put them all in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I think all of them should go in. Henderson has remained with the organization and has played a role in the Vikings uh, community efforts and in the player uh, development. Uh, oh, then yeah. So then like that yeah. that deserves that, some. That yeah. absolutely affects this. Yeah. For reference, Anthony Barr, um, and I'll flash the graphic again so people can can compare. Anthony Barr, former first round pick, he was eight years, ninety eight games, seventeen and a half sacks. 495 tackles, eight forced fumbles, five picks. So lower in most categories, probably doesn't have a case over any of them, I would say. That's why I left him off because I didn't think it was really a conversation, but um, just wanted to throw that in there too. All right. Let's move on to who caves the game show that everybody wants to play this time of year. Uh, I'm going to give five names. This is like a hostage situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eric Hendricks didn't cave. Assuming the Vikings approached him. Like, do you think, do you think teams always approach? Like, even if their ask is absurd, do they always approach? Would they say, Hey Eric, we have $3 million to give you. Do you think they did that? Sure. Uh, they don't always approach. I think with Kendricks they did, but teams definitely don't always like. Sometimes like these players are taken by surprise. They're like, I would have taken a pay cut. Why? Why didn't they even talk? Someone to just found out on Twitter. Oh great, Bud Dupree. Oh, he bud. just tweeted. Oh my god, I found out on Twitter. Oh bud. <laughs> oh buddy, <laughs> that stinks. Okay, yeah. five. I've got five more though. Tell me who caves, who takes the pay cut, who declines, who plays hardball. Uh, we'll start with the other linebacker, Jordan Hicks, assuming he's approached. Uh, I think he can be better on the open market. I don't think he should take a pay cut. Yeah, I think um, I, I think he could. I think that the reason is uh, the reason that he won't is because he doesn't like I. A lot of players just don't like the uncertainty. And uh, he, I mean, he's yeah, already been with a couple of crowded markets, I guess. Yeah, and it's a crowded market. So I think he caves. I kind of think he does too. I think he caves. I think he takes between three and four million dollars. Um, and that would be, I think, the equivalent of your Nick Vigil or your Corey Littleton. All right. This is this is the guy who's doing a lot of a lot of media right now. Adam Thielen's getting the message out that I think he wants a big role. Um he seems to not be in the caving group, but when push comes to shove, will he cave? Adam Thielen. I did uh, a bunch of stuff on Locked on Vikings about why it makes sense for him to. Um, so I, I will say yes, although obviously he might just want to take his chances on the open market. It kind of depends on does he think he can do better than like eight or nine million on the open market at his age? Yeah, I um, I think that he won't cave in part because of the public presence that he's put out there. It's going to make it more difficult from like a negotiating perspective uh, to do that. I also don't think the Vikings are remarkably interested in bringing him back. 
Um, and I think that that kind of the PR push has been kind of part of that as well. Uh, and so it would be difficult, I think, for for that to just kind of the, the circumstances for that to happen. And I think that he'll have a market out there. Uh, it is not a great receiver class. Uh, Jacoby Myers is like the top receiver on the market. Um, and so he'll be able to, to find somewhere to go. The NFL is devaluing running backs, putting more receivers on the field, et cetera. We've all heard that story. I think that'll help uh, Thielen grab a two, three-year contract. Would you consider it a cave if he actually increased his guaranteed money but took less in 2023-2024? Because yes, he's – yeah, I, I think – There's probably a lot less in 2023-20 or in, in like the next couple of years. If he has any guaranteed salary – or like bonuses that have vested that usually like a site like over the cap will represent as guaranteed salary. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So for 2023, he's got uh, a guaranteed salary, a salary of zero, right? Um, he has a roster per game roster bonus of one and a half million. Um, mm-hmm. We can count those as dollars that he expects to be guaranteed. Uh, in terms of what he would want to negotiate for, but they are not guaranteed dollars, right? And so he doesn't have that in his pocket. The Vikings are not obligated to pay him that. But uh, roster bonuses are generally considered um, to be money that you expect to pay out and become part of a guaranteed uh, portion in the next extension, unless you've got really bad leverage, Um, which, I mean, honestly, (laughs) kind of does. 20 million cap it right you got it you got to think yeah i mean because the player has the leverage in this case like i I do i well he he's i don't think he has any you don't think he has any leverage you can cut him and save 13 and a half against the gap yeah i don't think it's because he has no guaranteed money the the dead cap is a sunk cost right now that has no he's gone whether you keep him or not this year you're saying you're saving six this year um, if you post June one? him, it's 13 and a half. Oh, yeah, however, that means June. you don't get those savings for you. Don't, you don't get to keep it for getting under the cap mm-hmm. or for free agency. You have to, yeah, wait you, you don't get, yeah, it. but that's, I think trivial. If you want to post June for somebody, you can figure the rest. Right. Out. You just, you have to do something else to get under the yeah. cap, which mm-hmm. makes it an awkward thing to do. Didn't the Vikes yeah. do this with Rudolph too? Didn't they post June him? Yes. And if I remember, they got like Omega punished for it. Because I th- I think they got like yeah because they like missed out on free agency stuff and then yeah they were like in a really weird cap spot in free agency they had to like wait till June for stuff to happen and they missed out on things yeah that was the pandemic year where yeah it was just weird so my suggestion was to sort of add up his dead cap and say all right well this is a sunk cost for us would you play if if we if we're dead 20 and a half the next 2 years would you play for 11 per year for the next 2 years and get down to the amount that we like basically have already eaten for you you mean um, 11 in total cap hit cuz what what base salary would that mean cuz that's really the negotiating point cuz i believe his base salary is like 11 right now uh, correct. Well, could they get the total cap hit down to 11? Could they save Which would eight? mean a base salary of like three or four. And I think the question is, does he think he can go somewhere else and get three or four mil and say, well, Vikings can take whatever dead cap they want? Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, sounds messy. I think he, I think he caves. I think he caves, but not that much. He's not going to take nothing. I think the Vikings will have to play ball too. And probably set up kind of year to year thing. So Thielen would have to accept short, like fewer long-term securities basically in order to give him like to give himself the chance to play his way into a future, which might be tough. Like what, what do you think his, he would get, if he gets cut and then signed somewhere else, what do you think that contract would be worth? I think Uh, think ideally eight eight and a half, nine million. Yeah. We're both on the same page. Eight and a half, nine million a year Mm -hmm. is probably what he's looking at. Right. So if if he believes that and you, you could approach him and say, okay, well, we'll pay you nine then. And that shaves two and a half million off, but that's probably the Vikings probably want to get away with more of a pay cut than that. So then you would say, no, he wouldn't cave. Yeah. I, I would say the Vikings probably, but if you players have consistently demonstrated that if, if they get offered something that they perceive as an insult to uh, their history with the organization, they will take the same elsewhere, maybe even a little less. So mm-hmm. it is possible that you approach them and say, Hey, we both know that your market right now is about 9 million. We'll pay you 9 million. They'll say, well, then I'll let the market, let me pick somewhere that isn't cold where I can keep my money instead of income <laughs> yeah. tax. Right. Like, so, you know, although, I mean, he said he wants to stay here, so I don't think the yeah. dynamic is yeah, that whatever. way, but yeah. Okay. That, that's, <laughs> I, mean, that's I, I don't think the dynamic the is like to that not tick off the yeah. fans. That's, yeah. I mean, he's got a, he lives in Florida yeah, in the off season. I don't think he's overly attached or his wife, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think he he's plays lived in Minnesota up. his whole life. <laughs> I think he's got some attachment. Well, I'm, okay, the same was true of Eric Decker, and he lives in Nashville, okay? <laughs> like, it's fine. You can move. I er- think Eric Decker of, had a of, home in Minnesota when he was playing for the Broncos. Yeah, between Thielen and other players that grew up in Minnesota, I think Thielen's actually less attached to the state than Yeah, there, there other- is a... There's a perceived attachment that he has uh, allowed to fester because it helps him from a marketing perspective and more power to him. I love it. But I I don't think that the guy who comes into games every week with a Joe Maurer jersey um, is as committed to Minnesota as it seems. And I, I think this is part of his post-career ambition. I, I legitimately think he's going to Romo it and try to be a professional Phenomenal. golfer. Phenomenal. He's Do going it. to try to, <laughs> to like go as far as he sure. can with golf before he kind of gets to an age where it's it's unrealistic. Um, and I think he can't do that as well in Minnesota. He's not going to, I mean, he's not going to live here full time after his career. He'll have a home here, but it's not going to be full time. My point that all the point going to say is that yeah, he he might he might be willing to go somewhere else, and um, and he'll still be beloved here. I don't think it's. Gonna I, I would ruin be surprised anything. to learn yeah. unless the offer was a genuine insult. Unless the offer is like, "We'll pay you three mil," and he's like, "Screw you guys." Mm-hmm. I would be really surprised to learn that Adam Thielen took the same deal in another place out of like a sense of spite, like knowingly, unless he thought, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'll totally get more than this," and then he doesn't, and then he ends up taking the same deal in another place. But I'd be really surprised to learn that the dynamic is like that contentious. He, yeah, he's a he's a competitive guy though. Like I think that he, I don't know if it's true that he still has it all left in the tank, but I think he believes he does. Like I think so that yeah. that could play a role in this. I think he believes he can play at a very high. For level. sure, he does. 
Yeah. Um, okay, that was a long Thielen discussion. How about Harrison Smith, the other guy kind of in the same contract boat? I think Harrison Caves. Yeah, I, same reasons for me. Um, just because, like, what again, what do you think Harrison Smith gets on the open market? Compare that yeah. to his base salary. Yeah, and I don't think is there enough room for there to be like a significant thing the Vikings could be happy with? And yeah. I think the answer to all of that is yes. Yeah. Um, Harrison has low leverage within the organization, given the safeties on the roster. He has low leverage outside of the organization just because I don't think his perceived value is very high in the market. I could be wrong about that. Um, I think that he has, I'm not going to say more attachment to Minnesota, but just has more plans related to staying in Minnesota, as it were. Like I feel like he owns a plane in a hangar in Minnesota, which planes famously can move. I understand that. But I, I think that <laughs> historically uh, planes yeah. can be transported. Yeah. Um, but uh, how do you get a plane from one place to another? What do you tow it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think that um, he, he has some roots here that he, that he'd like to keep intact. So I think that there's a lot of reasons that he'd want to stay here. I too think that he would cave. I am also somewhat thinking the Vikings aren't like attached to him that strongly. And I don't think they're really attached to any of the old guys, to be honest with you. Um, So I don't know how good that offer is going to be, but we will find out. Um, I put CJ ham on this list because ham, he's now the fourth longest tenured Viking. My dream of him being the longest tenured Viking is getting more realistic by the day. Uh, CJ ham. Will he take a pay cut if asked? Yeah, what's he going to do about that it? Bit. Yeah, I did. But also, like, <laughs> what, what's he going to do about it? What what are what pay cut are we offering him? He's They saved three mil by, what, are you going to offer him a pay cut of, like, a million and a half? That feels like, what what's the point? <laughs> I don't know. I've seen this team nickel and dime before to clear up a million. Yeah, like, we, didn't we, they we restructure see, Jordan Not at the cost of, like, politics with one of your, like, team leaders, though. Right? Team leaders. I his real leadership would be taking less money. The captain. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah, he's a captain, but like, is, as is voted really, by the players. Is, is there, yeah. okay, but is it really going to be discord in the locker room if he's gone? No, that's not what I'm. No. I, but I think ask, if you piss him off. A team captain to make a pay cut is a very normal move in the NFL. But is not CJ Ham going to ruffle feathers in the locker room if he takes a pay cut? No. Is CJ Ham going to make money elsewhere at all if he takes? no money here like if he just says screw you guys uh like a like something above vet min but that's about it like cj ham competes yeah. with a rookie fullback and loses somewhere else that's what happens i mean that's possible but i mean he's probably better than a rookie fullback probably but he's also older more, more expensive, expensive. yeah i get that um no i don't, I don't think you're gonna ruffle feathers by asking him to take a pay cut so basically, we think a lot of guys cave. Like we think a lot of guys are going to to cave. Are we being naive? Are we being yeah, naive probably. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, I, I think it's, the, it's hard to build a case for a lot of these guys. Which is just why you pick them, right? I also wrote down Zadarius Smith question mark. They wouldn't ask him to take less, would they? At that at that contract, seventeen. Uh, I don't think he would. Yeah, no, I think I don't he hits know. the market. He could beat it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that you just kind of have to eat that one. In which case, if we add him to the list, the Vikings cave, not Zedarius. And, and I think when it comes to this, 
and when it comes to this kind of question, like I prefer less to think about the personal dynamics and more to think about like, well, does it make sense to, because ultimately the, the highest incentive here is going to be, well, can I make more money by taking this deal or can I make more money by testing the market? That's going to be the thing that motivates players the most. And I think answering that question is a little bit more, it, it's going to be easier for somebody like me on the outside too. Cause like, I don't, I don't know what, Adam Thielen's mood is. I don't know what CJ Ham's mood is. I've never met these guys. <laughs> so that, that's always going to be the way that I like prefer to think about it. And there's a little bit more objectivity to that of like, well, will he be motivated to cave? And then if he does or doesn't, or what he thinks of himself is, you know, kind of anybody's guess. But then when it comes to stuff like, you know, CJ Ham, like, I don't know, he is making like 3 million base salary. Can he do better than that on the open market? That becomes the crux of the question. Yeah. Combine hot takes after I tell you that Built Bar is a delicious, nutritious snack that you can get in so many different ways. They're available now in Walmart and Sam's Club, the pharmacy section. Go get yourself a box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff Built Bars, four bar box, 13 bar box available in store. The macros are fantastic. Four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. That are uh, those are some nice numbers right there. It's healthy, it's tasty, it's 100% real chocolate, great flavors. It's built bar. Go get some today. Combine is done. Arif back from Indy. Welcome back, by the way. Hope your hope your trip was pleasant. Hope you got some steak. Hope you networked. Uh, who is the so most much. famous person that you talked to? Journalist oh, or or agent or otherwise? Tell us your sources. <laughs> Tell us your sources. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, I had I had discussions with a ton of people. Um, obviously, the 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 draft Twitter mainstays Chuck Justice, uh, Nate Tice. You know, I, do we count him as famous? I think we do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, there's um, besides the players there, besides like the combine prospects. God, I don't know. It's 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 difficult because you stop paying attention to that at the because it's everybody all at once. So it's like you talk to Ian Rappaport for half a second, then you talk to um, Kevin O'Connell for half a second, then you like it's just, I don't know it's there's there's a ton of people where it's very easy. I mean, um, God, uh, it wasn't it wasn't Andy. There's another head coach, Mike McDaniel. Talk to Mike McDaniel for like a minute. Did you half, just mistake right? Andy Reid for Mike McDaniel? Well, who I was would, just trying to. Would you, yeah, who would, would right. you start to say Andy Reid? Yeah, yeah, because the problem was I was having a conversation with Mike McDaniel and Chuck, and Chuck is very well known for his conversations with Andy Reid, right? And oh. so I was associating with Chuck, right? So, um, sorry, uh, Charles McDonald, who writes for uh, Yahoo uh, Football, if people aren't familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like to talk briefly to like Charles Robinson over at Yahoo, speaking of. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like there's a lot of famous people at the combine. It, it becomes very easy to be starstruck at like the first day. And then after that, um, I, I had a discussion. I, I ended up in the, in the New York times, uh, the back of my head mostly. Um, but I was talking to Thomas Dimitrov of, of Sumer sports analytics. Right. So, um, yeah. I had a ton of discussions with well-known people that, that feel you're asked me that question. Now it feels like I'm bragging. <laughs> yeah. You just name dropped eight, nine different people but that's okay that's what we asked you to do um also the layperson may not know who a lot of those people are and that's okay i well, totally was world yeah <laughs> um what's those a hot take 
what's a hot take you have Arif coming away from your time there? Uh, a lot of these GMs still don't know what they're doing. I don't like, I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Say more about that. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, I, I appreciate a lot of the pushback that, um, that traditional football people, and I genuinely mean it, have uh, made on like running back value, linebacker value, on the value of having a top draft pick. There's a very uh, big discussion right before the combine and during the combine about whether you'd have the 65th and 66th pick or the 12th pick. Um, uh, I, I appreciate a lot of the pushback on that, but I think that there's just still a, uh, in the, significantly less true than five years ago, but there's still a lot of, an unwillingness to entertain some of these like more radical, interesting ideas about, you know, draft value about, you know, player positional value and stuff like that. And I think the analytics community has been a little bit overconfident in a lot of their assertions, but I do think that uh, they're still trending towards correct. I think that there were a lot of people that didn't love the pushback on the idea of the Eagles selecting Bijan Robinson at 10. You know, a lot of people that I talked to were like, yeah, the Eagles absolutely should select him there. The Eagles probably won't. And they're probably right. Um, and, and it, it feels like, yeah, Bijan is that dude. I love him. He's fun to watch, but like anybody you pick at 10 is probably going to be that dude. Right. <laughs> like, I think that, that, it, you know, the, the question is not, is Bijan Robinson good is, are the players available to you going to help you more than him? And I think the Eagles unquestionably say yes to that almost every time. Uh, and, and so there's still a lot of general managers out there and a lot of scouts out there that are like, man, I don't. The NFL is wrong if 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 Bijan doesn't go in the top ten, and it's like, no, they're not. He rules. I love him, but they're not wrong, right? Like it's, it's just kind of um, the the idea that you can find a guy that can produce on a second contract, kind of as well as Christian McCaffrey, is kind of dead. And McCaffrey did not even produce for a lot of his first contract, right? So. I, I don't know, man. Um, I, I still think that general managers are are focusing on the wrong things sometimes. I think that, you know, the build concerns about Bryce Young are fair. Um, I think that, you know, the the focus on upside of Anthony Richardson is a little bit too much. But I think primarily it's about kind of like, yeah, you know, I love this like coverage linebacker, but ah, can he stuff the run? He's only average against the run. He's great against the pass. And he's average against the run. It's like, that's good. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? Right. So I think that that's a lot of it. Plus there's still GMs that are just like, you know, the combine doesn't really tell us anything new. And it's like that, well, that's just not true. So, so, um, and they mean the workouts, right. The medical stuff is still, you know, in the interviews they, they mm-hmm. value, but like, you know, this, this guy ran a, a four three and he didn't look fast on film. I feel like that's a coaching issue. Then I feel like you should trust your coaches to maybe if you don't trust your coaches to work with that, get new coaches. Right. So, um, yeah, th- those, those are the kinds of things that uh, I guess I would say is a hot take. A lot of yeah. GMs still do know what they're doing, but like some of these guys, I feel like are kind of stuck. There's a, there was a great example of that in with all the wide receivers running slow, but in particular, Unless there was something with like the track or something, because they all ran slow. And I feel like Quentin Johnston actually may have thought there was because he delayed his pro day after all the, all the first, he delayed his 42 his pro day after all the other uh, receivers ran. Um, but I think of like Jalen correcting for last year. They just, they made the track slow because last year's track was too fast. <laughs> That's it, it was all the track. Yeah. Um, but like Jalen Hyatt, whose entire game is go balls running a four, four, one, 
is like kind of not enough for what he's supposed to like. He's supposed to be a four three speed guy, and that's supposed to be the point of him. Uh, and now that he's a four four one guy, what's the like? That's still really good speed, but it does change the way that his game in particular is. And like with the combine, I think the idea of like, oh, these workouts don't matter to me. That sounds like somebody who's compositing them all into like one score and then seeing that the correlation is loose because each guy is so different. Like every, it, you should use the combine to answer particular questions about a guy. Like for me with Quentin Johnston, explosion was a huge concern. He did well in the jumps. Okay. Now I have to like modify how I think about that. Um, and when he runs his 40 and stuff, you get a 10 split, you get an explosion score. How explosive is he athletically? Okay, we can modify that. And then you can say, well, he's explosive athletically, but we didn't see it on tape and kind of go through the same thought process Arif said. Yeah, I I think when you say like, this doesn't matter, then uh, to me, I hear you don't know how to read it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And to me, the guys that basically say the combine is just there for confirmation. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. Right. Like, like uh, we, we just want to see the deep threat run fast and then we're good. And it's like, OK, if he doesn't run fast, does that tell you anything? I feel like that's information. Maybe he's still a deep threat. Maybe he's still fast on the field. Maybe that's all fine. But you have to answer that question that provides you a new piece of information that will allow you to approach that. Maybe you can ask some questions about how he trains, how we prioritize. Maybe you can ask some questions about kind of the ways that he gets open deep that will allow you to utilize him more effectively if you decide to draft him. Right. Um, this guy that we didn't think was fast run, ran really fast. Well, for some people, that's like, well, you just got to go back to the tape. And yeah, sure, you have to go back to the tape, but you should ask some questions about why it is the case that your perception was off here. Maybe he wasn't fast on on film. Maybe, you know, the, the chips that they now have for a lot of these college football teams tell you that he never cracked 21 and a half miles per hour, so he should be running a 4-3. But maybe he wasn't coached to run fast. Right. And and by that, I don't yeah. mean the coaches told him to run slow, but that they didn't utilize his, or speed. maybe that like, they did. Cause that's what the routes were. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, so the, the combine will allow you to, uh, answer some questions, like you said, uh, and every time something runs counter to your expectation, you should use that as an opportunity, as opposed to a reason to dispense of the information that you've received. Sometimes that information won't matter. But you won't know that until you investigate. And so I think the combine offers opportunities to investigate. It also allows you to recalibrate a little bit. So the the example that I want to use is the discussion we've been having about Anthony Richardson um, after he had tested out of the water, right? Tested like the best quarterback to ever test. Importantly, Lamar Jackson did not test. Um, the uh, the Everyone is like, well, we knew he was an elite athlete. If he was already, if you already liked him before the combine, you should like him after the combine. And it's like, yeah, some element of how you evaluated him should be part and parcel to how you evaluate him going forward. But the difference to me is if you have a deep threat that at 180 pounds runs a 4.35, that's good. That's great. You're where you're at. You don't want to double count that. If you have a deep threat that at 195 pounds runs a 4.27, move that dude up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, you knew he was a deep threat. You knew he was uh, hard to catch. You knew he was big. But move that dude up because that's rare. That is so rare that is almost one of one territory. And it's a game of margins. There's a difference between being able to beat most guys most of the time and beating every guy all of the time. And you want that second guy. And that second guy is worth a lot. So um, there is something to putting in a rare combine performance in an, in a way that matches your 
overall expectations, but still exceeds the rest of the group by a substantial margin. That's really well stated. And this is um, th- th- this is a conversation, mm. by the way, when uh, Quasi Adolfo comes up to the podium and starts talking about Bayesian analysis. That is exactly what we're doing right now. Yes. Where we take yeah. our priors, which is our prior was Anthony Richardson is a very, very good athlete. Now we are updating that with new information that tells us, oh, no, he is a dare I use the G word generational athlete, which I think, yes, because he got a 10. A- athlete, yes. Yeah, yeah, athlete generation, athlete. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yes. I'm talking like relative athletic score. Um, and so yes, does that change your now? Does it change it enough for you to say, you know, if this guy like this guy was QB three on my board, does that mean I like him better than CJ Stroud or Bryce Young now? Different question. Um, but it should make you reevaluate. It should make you ask that question again, and then like reevaluate. Like, are you still? Do you still have CJ Stroud above Anthony Richardson? Yes or no? And that just depends on how much you value the change in your perception of his athleticism, but you should change your perception of his athleticism. I think my overarching takeaway from the combine is that Vikings fans who got invested in certain guys before the combine may have to come up with some new draft crushes because a lot of the guys that fans might've entertained or talked themselves into before the combine, I don't think you're going to be available anymore. I think if you thought that Smith and Jigbo was going to drop, he's not. Kalijah Kansi was a big name that a lot of people thought made sense at 23. I don't think he's dropping that far now. Joey Porter Jr. is not going to drop that far. Deontay Banks. There you go. I like that. Was like late first round. He might not drop that far. Okay. So the issue is so maybe Keely Ringo drops and that creates room for Deontay Banks because Ringo did not have the kind of combine people expected of him. But the issue is Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter, I think are going to be picked well before the Vikings have an opportunity to even trade up for them. Right. Um, that leaves a bunch of corners. And I think that that it allows you to circle Deontay Banks as a guy that you might value where the Vikings pick, but I don't think it's impossible for him to be there. I mean, he's Definitely still the same impossible. guy that only got like two picks or whatever in college. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I, I think banks is the guy that you, that you, like I said, just circle that you underline and say, this is my target. It's like, it's like picking, you know, your, your target school and your safety school, right? Deontay Banks has now become your target school. Now you have to figure out your safety school. And on the other side of the coin, you've also got some players that have probably played their way up the board into the twenties that you could maybe get excited about like Josh Downs. I thought that was going to be a lost cause because I thought he was going to be like an early second round guy, but probably not first round. Mm -hmm. Wasn't going to go to the Vikings because the Vikings didn't have a second round pick. Well, now I think it's a little more realistic to take a Josh Downs who I, for one, am in love with. And you've also got guys that might play their way kind of into that third round position. So I just think that now we need to like reevaluate. Now we need to. to Yeah, like Jack Campbell from Iowa. What a combine he had. Good Lord. I don't want Jack Campbell but I can see where people would want Jack Campbell. I don't think, I don't think he's a great pro. That's, that's, that's my, I'm that, that's my hot take. That. Okay. Have you seen his coverage numbers at Iowa? No. Horrible. I've only seen the combine numbers. <laughs> you, see Anthony, <laughs> you see Anthony Barr's coverage numbers at UCLA? Well, that, that was, was a different a game, different. different game back then. That was <laughs> 10 years ago. Arif, that was that was, that was year just, two of him ever playing on defense. <laughs> yeah, and and he was a much better pro than he was a college player. I'm just, you know, 
is, is I don't know anything about Jack Campbell. Is he also athletes. a running back convert? <laughs> I've got no, I don't know who he is. I don't oh. even know what he looks like. <laughs> I just like those combine numbers, bud. <laughs> um, Jack Campbell, I almost want to like rediscover his, uh, his coverage numbers at Iowa because they were rough. And I think he's, he's definitely a good, great college football player and probably fills an NFL role. I don't know if he like fulfills what you're looking for like from a linebacker version of Josie Jewell. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that comparison kind of falls flat. I don't know enough about Josie Jewell to tell you well, he, whether that's he true filled, or not. He was a great, phenomenal college player. All he does in the NFL is fill a role. He's good at it. You're not asking him to start. Yeah. I wanted him the other I think last year or whenever he was, he never actually hit for agency, but when he was gonna, yeah, I mean, you were wrong. That's pretty normal. <laughs> um, I'm having some internet issues. So while we wait for that, let's move on to. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. Bron, what do you got? Party fouls this week. Uh, there was a player with the Orlando Guardians. Um, I, his name is escaping me. I'm looking it up right now. But uh, who was caught tipping opponents' Guardians playbook? Page. Oh, like, the quarterback. All of this. Uh, yeah, it was the quarterback who has now. Now there's like an investigation, and some of the stuff is uh, murky about it. But the Orlando Guardians were a laughing stock of the spring league. Like other spring league teams rough, were man. boat racing, and they were the only team getting boat race. Like everything has been That's fairly even-ish in the XFL. There's been, you know, some two-score wins, some one-score wins, and then there's the Guardians who are just getting absolutely pantsed. Well, uh, it, they come it, in. It's important. I have heard of a lot of obscure quarterbacks. I've never heard of this guy in my life. So. <laughs> That yeah. that could also be related to how they were getting pants. I yes. Um, well, their starting quarterback is Paxton Lynch. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, also a problem. Who honestly almost Lost had a Kyle legacy Slover. drive against the Arlington Renegades. Lost to Kyle Slaughter. Lost to Kyle Slaughter. Yes, indeed. Uh, and that's probably doesn't rank in terms of like most embarrassing things Orlando Guardians have endured. Um, I think they also have DeAndre Francois like rotating. A couple of these teams have like rotating quarterbacks. Oh. Like the defenders are yeah. rotating Derek King. Yeah, I know Derek King's rotating it. Yeah, like a, a drive with like two passes and six running attempts. Love it. Uh, Quentin Dormady. That's Dor- yeah. That's okay. that's the name. Sure, you could have made that guy up. Anyway, so he yeah. so he's tipping plays or he's sharing elements of the playbook to other teams. And then he gets released over it. Mm-hmm. And now new information has come in. So my party file just goes to this whole situation because it's a mess and a half uh, to just the guardians in general for having this. But now additional information has been brought to the attention of the league and the, the league has reinstated the player uh, while they in- investigate. Wait, they they this forcibly required the guardians to roster him and pay him out. No, I, I think I misspoke. He was removed from the XFL by oh. the league and then got reinstated. Okay. That, that's my bad. Okay. Um, but boy, 
yeah, there's some XFL drama for. How do you how do you cheat in the XFL, man? <laughs> That's rough. Uh my party foul goes to the conversations and media handling of the Jalen Carter situation. Now you could very easily give the Jalen Carter. I don't really want to do that uh, just because I don't want to necessarily judge someone's response to trauma. Um, obviously the decision itself to potentially allegedly race, that is its own party file, but that was back in January, right? So for people unfamiliar, two members of the uh, Georgia football team, one a recruiting coordinator, one an offensive lineman uh, died in a car crash about six days after the national championship game. Um, the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the passengers or drivers and one of the people in the vehicle, uh, had a blood alcohol contact, uh, content of, I believe one nine five. So, you know, absolutely awful scenario. The police later identified two cars belonging to other Georgia football players. One of them, Jalen Carter, who, uh, is driving the same car that appeared in an advertisement that he did for an Ohio luxury, uh, car dealership. So, uh, you know, it's it, probably him. So the driving itself certainly is a party foul, but that happened back in January. The news broke the morning of actually his podium availability, I believe it was a Wednesday. Um, and the way people responded to it, I think generally speaking, was kind of not great. A lot of people were like, well, great, he's going to fall to my team. Hate that response. People died, man. People died. That's ridiculous. Um, but I, I think that a lot of people also had uh, just a really poor, they immediately decided that this person who had made an enormous mistake that it resulted in. Uh, and so the police uh, have alleged that um, his decision to, to race uh, the other car contributed to to the death. So I'm not saying that, you know, if the police are right, I'm not saying that the that he didn't make an awful decision. But people um, are judging other elements of this that I don't think are fair to judge. For example, that he misled the police upon his return to the scene of the crime. So he uh, left the scene of the crime. And an hour and a half later, the police had asked him to come back. He comes back. And he misled the police about his location. This happens very often in ways that I think are really understandable. He just saw his friends die. And so there's like, it's just really difficult to um, put yourself in those shoes. But he eventually fessed up to being there while talking to the police. Like, it's not as if he gave a statement left and then, you know, two months later, eventually tells the police, actually, I was there. And he did, it under questioning, right? It's just really difficult for people to see their friends die and then immediately admit that they are partially responsible for it. Uh, and so I thought a lot of the way that people responded to the Jalen Carter situation, to me, was really gross. I think that you you can have room for accountability here and have a discussion about kind of what are the appropriate responses to this. People can be empathetic. This is an awful situation that um, you can combine, you know, the need for accountability with the understanding of, of where people come from, because there are dozens of reckless driving incidents. And by the way, the police have determined that uh, Carter, um, did not appear to be under the influence. Remember, he came back an hour and a half later, so that muddies the water there a bit. Um, a lot of people, including hothead coaching candidate Eric Bieniemy, have been accused and even convicted or, or pled guilty to reckless driving, which is what this is. But the unfortunate circumstances at this time, it led to something. 
Whereas in other times, the same decision-making process does not lead to something. And we don't judge those people the same way. And so I, there's some introspection. My party file is on the public interaction with the release of this Jalen Carter news. Sorry for the, I always pick downers for these. The Guardian story was great. I was so serious. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah the Defenders fans threw lemons on the field. <laughs> that rules. It does. Yeah, my party foul was on the people who took the beer snake that one week. Um, Party foul on me for smearing the name of Jack Campbell and his past coverage. I think that I, I kind of got lost in completion, like completion percentage against him, which was bad. It was bad last year. Bunch of short um, passes. 92.7. But short passes, yards per reception, very low. Passer rating when targeted, very low. Um, I think I owe him an apology. Wow, rough. I'm Looks like the guy not... who's never watched or looked him up was right. <laughs> still not all in on Jack Campbell, but... Really, you just you uh... got paid by shorting Sam there. <laughs> that was really the bet you made. <laughs> that's a, that's anyway, usually a good bet to all, make. All I need is 54%, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> That's the football party for today. Um, back tomorrow with Luke Inman. We'll talk more draft, probably talk about Kendricks a little bit as well. Uh, that's Luke Braun. That's Aripa San. Leave a comment below. What do you think about the Kendricks move? And uh, I'm Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter for Locked On Sports Minnesota. Subscribe on YouTube, on podcast, on Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, on your smart TVs, wherever uh, you want to find Locked On Sports Minnesota. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.